You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're talking Rockies baseball today, this Friday, October 20th, with Thomas Harding, our Rockies reporter for MLB.com. Thomas, we thank you for the time and uh, a fun little exercise today. Uh, I want to look back at the beginning of the season and uh, just kind of take a look at what this Rockies rotation looked like uh, heading into opening day and how different it looked uh, by the end of the season at game 162 or even into the wild card game, obviously, as the Rockies were a playoff team. But it seems like every year, you know, every rotation is, is you know, susceptible to – to health issues, you know, injuries, and then there's trades and guys getting promoted or demoted, whatever the case may be. So kind of take us down this path uh, during the course of the season. How did this team look coming out of the spring, and to what degree did it look different by the end of the year? Well, I think first we have to go back before the spring with the cancer diagnosis of, um, of Chad Bettis, the testicular cancer we thought he was going to make it back for the start of the season. He was throwing bullpen sessions. Well, he, he wasn't able to. They um, found that it had spread. He had to undergo chemotherapy, and it looks like that's been successful. But losing him really hurt from an experience standpoint. And what they tried to do was prepare Chris Russin for the rotation. Well, Russin gets an oblique injury in the middle of camp. So they go into the year very inexperienced. Then as the year starts, they start having injuries. Uh, Tyler Anderson struggled through the first few months because of a knee issue. And John Gray, he breaks his right foot in the middle of April. So you're looking at uh, at a rotation that they knew was going to be young to begin with and then not having guys available. So that's when you ended up with Kyle Freeland in the opening rotation. Same with Antonio Senzatella, who had only thrown 34 and two-thirds double-A innings, and then Herman Marquez steps in. Well, all of those guys pitch quite well, and when they need a lift from the minors, Jeff Hoffman comes up and gives them a fourth rookie in the rotation. So for much of the season, you're, you're dealing with rookies and second-year guys. I mean, Gray ended up coming back, and so did Anderson. They came back pretty strong, but if you if you look at it overall, it was um, 128 games this season were started by rookies and second-year men. So if you look at from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, the beginning of the regular season to the end, then really not a lot of turnover. They only used eight pitchers. There were only two teams, I believe it was, that uh, used fewer than eight starting pitchers, but when you look at uh, what they expected coming in and that didn't happen and what they got as a surprise, frankly, from some of the youth, um, it bodes well for the future of this team. It certainly does, and the best laid plans, as uh, the saying goes, you, you just never know what's going to happen with, uh, with health. And uh, a lot of rookies had to step up, and, and step up they did. And like you said, as uh, impressive as they looked in 2017, it's, uh, it's bodes so well for the future that they could be even better in 2018 and beyond. And, Thomas, uh, to kind of break down some of these guys individually, let's begin with uh, John Gray. He detailed his uh, injury issues at the start of the year. Came back and, and really looked good. He ends up a 10-4, and four, a 3.67 ERA. His numbers across the board, uh, improvements from uh, 2016. What was different about Gray uh, this year in terms of uh, his approach and his repertoire that enabled him to put up these better numbers? I think you have to go to the 
latter part of 2016, how strong he finished. He had that uh, 16 strikeout performance against the San Diego Padres at Coors Field in September, and you saw him really starting to get it. He had never thrown a curveball in his life until the end of 2015 when he was taught the pitch. He brought that into the major leagues. Uh, this year, I thought um, what, what impressed me most about Gray is that he stayed in the strike zone, did not walk very many people. And for a guy that can run a fastball up there at 97 miles an hour, that's pretty impressive as far as I'm concerned. Um, he, he does have a good slider, but after the injury, he never felt it was as devastating a pitch as he thought it would be. Um, it still was a very good pitch for him, a good strikeout pitch, but that's something that could get better next year. He, he used the curveball. I think that I would love to see him develop a changeup, but that's asking a lot. If you look at over two years at the major league level, he's already developed a new pitch, changed his windup from when he was in college to now. So he's done a lot as it's gone. I do think that what's going to happen is he may end up developing a changeup. He's the type of guy that's very coachable and he makes changes as he goes and adjustments. So I see John Gray as a guy who could, um, who, who could continue to get a lot better with time. Yeah, the former first-round pick uh, making uh, incremental improvements uh, year in and year out, and uh, it's exciting to see what could be in store for him, assuming uh, full health in the 2018 season. Uh, Thomas, how much of a surprise was Herman Marquez? Because in 2016, only a half dozen appearances. He made three starts, and you know he looked okay. But then this year, 29 appearances, all of them starts, uh, respectable 4.39 ERA. He was one of those young guys that really, uh, you know, rescued the staff when some of the, the elder statesmen, as it will, you know, went down, had their injury issues. Did he just come out of nowhere, or did you perhaps see this coming based on the small sample size from 2016? I tell you what, I really liked what I saw at the end of 2016, but here's what I wasn't sure about. I wasn't sure if he was going to develop into a starting rotation member and a starter throughout his career or a future closer. I mean, some of the stuff that he throws down in the strike zone, really hard, firm, fastball, and he's able um, to, to throw a – to, to throw a bit of a slider and a changeup, I'm thinking, gee, this guy could actually close games. Um, he came in that trade with the Tampa Bay Rays where the Rockies sent away Corey Dickerson, and while they were able to get Jake McGee, who was an impact in the bullpen, they felt that this Herman Marquez kid that was a Class A guy um, would, would turn out to be a really good pitcher at the major league level. Well, he made it through the system and made it to the major leagues last season, and this year he really showed – um, the talent that the Rockies saw in him. So it was a bit of a surprise, I guess, if you think that he was the other guy in the trade, but there were people in the Rockies organization that thought that, uh, you know, he would be an impact guy. If you go back and look at it, in fact, uh, in Venezuela, the Rockies were going to sign him and Antonio Senzatella. They both lived near each other there. Well, the Rockies only had money for one, so they signed Senzatella. Well, at first opportunity, they traded for Marquez. So mm. this is a guy that they've known about all along. I'm not sure the baseball world did, and I didn't, but I did see talent when he came up at the end of the 2016 Yeah, I mean, it's easy to identify the gems of a minor league system, but uh, to get those guys who fly a little bit under the radar, that's what makes the difference between, you know, the good teams and the great teams and the great teams and the elite teams, and hopefully a guy like Marquez, who is not on everybody's radar, can be a difference maker for the Rockies for years to come. Thomas, in the few minutes we have left, uh, you mentioned Antonio Sensatella. We've talked about uh, Tyler Chatwood a little bit, Kyle Freeland as well. 
of that group, and there's a lot of talent and a lot of potential, you know, in that group. Uh, pick one guy that you like the most, one guy that has the inside track to be a breakout star. Hmm, that, 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 that's a tough one because while Chatwood is a free agent, you're looking at um, some, some really good young pitchers. I mean, Kyle Freeland was a top pick of the Rockies. And how about Jeff Hoffman? He came to the right. Troy Tulowitzki trade, and I'm expecting him to do some very good things. Um, same with Senzatella. What I'm looking at here is not necessarily one that's going to be a superstar, but um, how many of them will go on to be solid major league pitchers. Well, one of those guys end up uh, maybe uh, a reliever. A lot of times we have a whole lot of young guys come along. Unfortunately, one or two drop by the wayside. Uh, they all were able to have some impact in a championship run. I mean, they didn't win a championship, but definitely all the games were meaningful. They weren't just pitching on a team 34 games out or whatever um, some teams may be. So I- I'm looking at those guys as the basis for the rotation, but thinking that, hey, the way that baseball goes, guys get hurt or guys struggle or end up in the bullpen. You just hope that a a few of those guys kind of hang on as part of the rotation, and then some of the guys coming behind them fill the holes. Yeah, there's always attrition in every starting rotation, no matter what team, no matter what year, but the Rockies seem to have enough options, as you said, that hopefully a few of these guys stick and form a solid basis and foundation for years to come at Coors Field. Thomas Harding, a pleasure as always. We'll do it again next week as we thank you for the time. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Colorado Rockies.